here we go. All right, we got a big edition of the IBS Livecast for you tonight. I am your host, the Commish R.C. Carlton. I am the commissioner of IBS. I am joined by my co-host with an identity crisis, actively lazy, backslash, IBS Jesus is in the house. Kanye back. Kanye back, man. He did the gospel song. I'm now the person that was right. Didn't Prince do that? He went from the artist formerly known as Prince to the artist formerly known as the artist formerly known as Prince. I am now IBS Jesus, the artist formerly known as IBS Jesus or something like that. I don't know. But either way, yes, you can call me IBS Jesus. (laughs) All right. We had a big weekend. For some reason... We are very fascinated as a sports society by men running around in shorts. And so looking at that, as silly as that is, I tried to explain to some of the women in my life why I was watching men run around and jump, and it wasn't really an athletic sporting event, with I mean, somewhat competition. What, in your opinion, is the value or how much value should we place in the combine? Um, if if the only thing you have to grade people on is the combine and and film, I would say twenty five percent of the hundred percent that goes into the two should be graded on the combine. Cause um, you know what you see on film obviously uh, means a lot, but I think the combine shows um, shows us some things too about the athletic capability of people and I think that's where sometimes fans get it um twisted. We're not saying that because somebody can run a four three that, that they're gonna instantly be successful, but the logic behind the fact that somebody running a four three can be successful, the the options are very limitless with that type of speed. So that's what I think people are looking for. They're the grading potential or or the ceiling for potential based off the combine. Yeah, uh, what scouts usually say, the good ones, I know in the past we heard all this hype, but scouting has come a long way. Technology with with probably even better uh, ways to travel and be able to get tape from all over the country without having to actually travel to all those places. I think scouting, and more games are on TV, but scouting's got better. What Bucky Brooks, your favorite scout says, but a lot of scouts say, Uh is just a cross-check. I've already watched the tape of uh, DJ Metcalf. I know he's explosive. I know he's strong. That's not news to me. It's confirmed by the scouting combine. Now, maybe in the old days, Al Davis might go up there and jump, but this kid obviously has a lot of potential, and that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to project. So the athletic traits help you project, and also there are all these measurements, as we know with uh, Kyler Murray, all these certain measurements that have historically been successful, like Corners have a certain time that they run, and 90% of the time that works, uh, there are certain measurements that just have been proven over time. So the combine confirms those. Yeah, and and you can't say that it's not uh, important because there have been so many people that have graded a certain way and been successful like you were hinting to. Um, So you can't say that it's not important. But it also kind of gives you um, an idea of the direction that the league is heading into. Because if you think about it, like you were talking about Kyler Murray and how there are certain things about him that 
it used to be a stigma. It used to be I wouldn't pick – I'm not drafting him. And, and they made a big deal about his height. You know, it was like, oh, he, he might be under six foot, you know, or, you know, I'm not taking him. I'm not taking a quarterback under six foot. I'm not taking a quarterback with, with baby hands, you know, stuff like that. And now we're seeing guys who are more athletic um, since the introduction of RPO schemes um, and, and people more open-minded to having athletes back there under center. We're seeing those guys have more value on the board and their measurements do mean something. So it does mean something when a quarterback can run a 4-4 or 4-5. It used to not even matter. But now you start to wonder, how can I use this particular player? You look at the guy from the Saints uh, who backs up um, Drew Brees. I mean, he's not a legitimate quarterback, but his athleticism caught the Saints' eye, and they created packages for him this year. Um, and, and I think we'll see a lot of that going on. Um, in the in the future, and that brings more value uh, to the combine for a lot of these guys who would be fringe or not getting people at their pro day. It gives them a platform. Deion Sanders said something very uh, interesting, and also I think this year just the performance of these guys in the combine, like the defensive linemen and the receivers, was just ridiculous. But Dion said something that basically it's all a hustle. These guys are taking the after season, let's say January, February, what's this, March? They're taking mm-hmm. that time, and they're training, like, out of their mind, and that's not the standard they're going to have. And they're basically running a hustle because you saw whatever, Murray, you saw in past times, I think Jared Goff was doing stretching exercises. I could only imagine what Murray did. You see uh, he got up in his weight. Somehow he was 5'10". So what do you think of what Dion said about it being a hustle? <laughs> well, I mean, if Dion said it's a hustle, then it's definitely a hustle because <laughs> he's all people would know. Because Dion had, had his string of laziness as his career went on, but obviously he earned that right. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a hustle. I mean, you're getting guys in, in their peak shape, peak performance. Um, and, again, I, I really think it's a measurement of the potential. Um, if you get a if you get a guy coming in with four three speed, then you can, it's safe to assume that that barring any injury, he's still going to be at uh, an elite level speed uh, for at least six seven seasons. You know, so I wouldn't call it a hustle. I mean, this is this is who these guys are when they're at their peak, um, and you know, you physically you you kind of have to uh, break them down and build them back up. Uh, depending on what position they play, like Kyler. Kyler, um, I think, um, I want to say Cowherd, that clip you posted, he said he, he probably comes in at a playing weight of about 190, but he came into the combine like pretty much over 200. That kind of gives you a, a, a guideline of, of where you think you can get him into a decent playing shape, you know? If, if that's what he's comfortable with coming in, trying to portray that as his playing shape, then as a nutritionist and, and an organization, it gives you a baseline. You know, this is what we want or this is what you envision yourself being. Let's get you there once we get, get you on the team. So, DJ Matt, we're going to switch to uh, the standouts. So, DJ Metcalf, obviously a viral sensation, Daniel Jeremiah says he looks like a human Batman suit, and he is jacked up. And a lot of people have been talking about DJ Metcalf, the 4-3, the poor scores, and the 4-3-40, the poor scores and the agility ranking. IBS, they've become draft experts all of a sudden. 
and they know about this guy's tape and whatnot, even though they never heard of him until the viral video. What are your thoughts on DJ Metcalf and kind of the reaction to him? Um, I mean, physically, with 40 and a half uh, vertical, 27 reps on the bench, a 4-3-40. I think he's 6-3, he's something like that. I mean, you should get attention uh, as as just not even an athlete, as a man. <laughs> you know, if you can do these things at that size, you should you should get attention, you know. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I mean, we're in a, a microwave era, as, as you always call it, and it's true. You know, he he gets he has nothing really to show for this hype. He had one really really good game against Alabama, and then there's bits and pieces here. But Ole Miss, I think he's like third on their death chart. Uh, if if anything, they didn't they used the other kid more than they used him, and um, yeah. here he's getting most of the hype. So. I don't want to say that people are wrong because, again, we're, we're talking about potential and just off the physical uh, capabilities of this of this guy, it, it's, it should interest you as, as, a, as a fan. It should interest you as an owner. Now, I, I had made a post uh, or a comment today, and, and I stand by this. I think people who draft in the top ten generally know exactly what they want and know that this person is who they think they they have. So if you think a person is going to be a future Hall of Famer, you're going to take them in the top ten. You don't take people in the second and third round and anticipate them to be future Hall of Famers. So you draft what you know in the top ten. Now, with Metcalf, we know he's a physical specimen, but the film does not show that. It doesn't show that. His stats don't show that. And I know Ole Miss wasn't really that great, but we've seen other players – in other programs that were kind of at the bottom and they excel, um, even at wide receiver, you still see guys who, who are with crappy quarterbacks still get like 20 targets a game and they catch like nine to 10 passes. Uh, my, my boy from Colorado state last year, um, he didn't, he didn't have, uh, I want to say, was that Galladay? But one of the, one of the guys I think from Colorado. State yeah, I think that was it. The one on our team or yeah, the one so, on Detroit? I want to say the one on Detroit, but he didn't have he he didn't have the program pedigree uh, that you see from a lot of other um, receivers. But he generated hype and he had film. He had something that you could watch. It was tangible. Matt Cass doesn't have anything of any real substance to me, but it doesn't mean that he can't be good. So. Definitely something that you want to look into working with. And, again, the hype is necessary and, and well-earned for his measurements. But let's let's pull it back a little because we don't know what he can and can't do uh, as far as his floor and his ceiling on the field. And it's a projection. I like him. Yeah. I need to watch more film, watch one game of him. Uh, you got to be concerned that the production's not there. He started out well, and he got hurt. That also bothers me. What bothers me most about these receivers, besides not running a full route tree, and I believe in what I've read, that basically they ran a very limited route tree. They ran a lot of hitches or go. They didn't do a lot of things mm-hmm. that were very creative. They didn't help him any. Uh, mm-hmm. He got hurt, which is a neck injury, which bothers me a little bit too. But, I, I mean, I like him. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like him top ten. I need to watch some more. But, you know, it's all about potential at that level and what you're trying to do, and especially a receiver. When you have those kind of physical traits, I'm willing to take a chance on you. And if you put him in and a I, position to speed, I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, and I, I want to add to that, too, that 
Um, I, I've been saying red flag on the injuries, but I will say this too, is that there still is um, a window of potential for athletes to change their bodies and change their, their history as far as injuries go when they go from the college level to the pro level. And a lot of that has to do with uh, adding muscle mass and, and just having better trainers uh, at their disposal. So if Metcalf had injury issues um, coming out of college, uh, I think another one who might um, – he might not even make the board for most people, but uh, Dorch, I want to say I'm saying it right, from Wake Forest, he had he had some shaky, uh, like, injury history towards the end. But if he adds 20 pounds, which isn't a lot for, for uh, some of these young guys, but adds about 20 pounds and keeps his lean muscle, he can kind of protect himself more. And uh, we've seen guys do that before. They come from college, they they play a certain way, and they kind of had injuries and stuff, but then they get a good a good workout regimen and they get to the league, and then they start catching balls across the middle and stuff, and you're like, well, he used to get hurt all the time when, when that happened, but now he's 20 pounds more solid. Uh, you can take some of that uh, some of that uh, physicality. So Metcalf's got the frame for it. He's definitely got the frame for it. So good. Do you One think those things where? Do you think it's too big? Because it's kind of weird. There's some David Boston uh, memories when I see Metcalf. I mean, considering, you know, the the stories and, and um, concerns with his agility, he might be too top-heavy, uh, but but it's it's not impossible to, to make that leaner, to make that frame leaner. Um, it, just, it just requires a, a ton of discipline, and um, I don't usually – like for me, it would be it would be hard. It's hard for me to go to the gym now. It shouldn't be hard for people making millions. I mean, that, your body is your is your um, your tool. So I don't think a lot of these athletes have a problem adding weight or dropping weight or slimming or or getting more buff. Um, it, it, like commitment wise, they have nothing left. They have nothing else to do. This is what they do for a living. So I think if somebody picks them up, they could probably make them slim down just a little bit more as far as the bulk. Because that that's also not good for your knees um, when you're when you're a receiver. Um, but overall, I don't think he's too big because he can still be that same weight just with a different looking frame, you know. Yeah, I just think I feel like there's a lot of stress on the body over time, and we haven't seen a receiver yeah. that jacked up since David Boston. Even To and Dez were sleeker. Uh, mm-hmm. They weren't as top heavy, but we said, and David Boston eventually blew up so much that he couldn't do anything but yeah let's move on to the the standouts at the combine but before i get to the standouts this thing has always bothered me little jordan humphrey that's his real name the wide little jordan protected. yes that is his real yes. name Every and time... go ahead i would say little jordan ran exactly what i figured he would but little jordan is also the type of receiver that is if this was not the era that we're in now, he would be a top five receiver for the simple fact that he wins. He wins a lot of one on ones. He's a big target, and I mean, people like that. They like back in the day. They liked the the Keyshawn Johnson type frames, you know. Like that kid's huge, yeah. man, and, and he's a for a fifty fifty ball. Like you're talking about uh, a low for a five nine five ten because that used to be the measurements back in the day. It used to be corners were about five nine to five eleven if you're lucky. Receivers were like six foot to six 
five-ish, depending on certain mm-hmm. situations. But now we get this air where corners are now 6'2", and they can move a little bit better than these 6'5 receivers. He doesn't really stand a chance. I'm just more concerned about his name, Lil Jordan. And the first time I heard him play, I just thought the announcers were making a mistake. And I said, oh, my God, this is really named L-I-L apostrophe. What is that? I guess an apostrophe, then Jordan. I, I just really concerned about that. Then they try to tell the story of how he got his name and it didn't make any sense. I don't know if it was Jeremiah or Rich. But like you said, it did used to be a kind of receiver that people would get because he was just big and you could box him out you just throw it up or throw deep. But now it's more about precision and possessions and playing a little bit like the Patriots with a short passing game. And a guy like this is not even going to get open. We're talking about a four seven five forty 40-yard dash. Probably not gonna beat press with a thirteen bench press, and then a thirty-three point five inch vertical. That none of that <laughs> physical. He's just big. Is basically his only trait that would be successful. But in situations like this, uh, he can he can salvage it at a, at a decent pro day. But he also has the film to kind of help him out a little bit as far as his his potential to be a red zone target and stuff. But um, yeah, it's not looking good for him. Uh, um, ability-wise, based off of his uh, measurements. Um, we've got Brandon uh, Stafford. I call him Makuma, the, the gentleman from Texas. Big guy. Son wrestles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's on the line. I'm going to add him in, okay? All right, let's go. Hey, Brandon, you're on. Hey, how you gentlemen doing? Good. Doing all right, doing all right. Oh, yeah, man. You know I like listening to good context. That's why I belong to the IBS group, man. You brothers keep yeah. coming with some real stuff, man. Some good stuff. You hey, know, you um, sound just like uh, <laughs> you, sound, <laughs> you sound exactly the way you look. <laughs> yeah, he, 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 sound like, he sound like if you're in the club and he tell you to move, you're going to move. You move. That's how you, yeah, you <laughs> move. ready to move right now. I told you, I talked to everybody, man. I ain't messing with Puma, man. I ain't messing with no dude bigger than me that can came my chest. I already saw the MMA. Then a voice like that? (laughs) Now that we mess with you, what do you want to talk about, Brandon? Man, y'all coming to good stuff, man. Uh, I I like coming to y'all, dealing with y'all better than these talking heads on this social, on the real world, because they give give a narrative, right? We talk about LeBron here. We talk about... Kyrie here. Uh, we're talking about combine stuff here. I mean, I guess we can address the elephant in the room. Uh, is it time to start saying that this man and who's playing for the Lakers is um, is LeCline? I mean. <laughs> can I go first? Can I go first? Because I'll be waiting on this. I'll be waiting on this. Go ahead. Go I'll ahead. be waiting. All right. So, listen, there there is a gradual athletic decline in LeBron. But right yeah. now, this is mental. This is mental. LeBron James is not trying. I don't care what nobody say. And the fact that he can still almost get a triple-double every night without really applying himself is incredible. But the defensive effort has been slacking for years, years. Yeah. And he's always had people around him 
to to offset that because they score so many points and they can outscore people all the time and he could coast a little because it didn't matter if if you got a, a layup here or layup there he's got three point shooters around them they get streaky I mean the the those Cavs teams were pretty good three point shooting teams they didn't get the credit that they deserve because the Warriors are on the West Coast doing exceptional numbers too but the Cavs uh, for a couple of years especially during their championship runs were really good three point shooting teams. He does not have that anymore. Now it stands out. Now you see LeBron James for what he has been for the last couple of years, and he's losing games because he does not have those three-point shooters around him, and he's still giving the same effort that he's always given. And these guys, are they're just not good enough situationally to, to overcome a lot of these games. And, and at the end of the day, I don't hate LeBron James like a lot of people do. But you cannot sit here and watch that Lakers team over this last month or so that they've been trashed and not put blame on this man. His lack of of defensive effort and overall leadership has been trashed. The reason why why I say he's got to take 50% of the whole thing is because uh, when much is given, much is expected. Now, look, we all knew the Lakers weren't going to be like a dynamic team. Nobody had them going to the Western Conference. No person with logic. Like, you might have Stephen A. Smith say some ridiculous stuff, but we don't count. We count actual people that watch the game and not say stuff for right. We, in, in the IBS group and on this uh, podcast and on this post, we say stuff for real. We don't say it just for clicks and get people to like us or getting our mentions. Exactly. Uh, when it comes to James, I understand that he's declined. I understand that he – he uh, he's not as athletically gifted. He came off an injury, but in my opinion, I think James needs to swallow a little pride, pull back, and hey, guys, I'm going to drop my points per game down by five or seven. So I'm going to be coming off with 20 points per game. I'm going to up my assists, right, and balance out my defense because I, I have two young who who can score. He can preach. Because the Cavs only had one last year, and that was Kevin Love, but he wasn't consistent, right? But you have Kuzman and Ingram who can score. And guess what? When Alonzo Ball comes back, guys, you do understand, too, I don't have to pass as much because I have another pass first point guard. But what I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to make it to where you're like a more scoring Jason Kidd. Your points per game is going to go to 18 now, but you're going to have 10 assists. I don't need the points per game. That was never my shtick. That was never my thing. He always comes off on interviews saying, hey, I'm not a scoring first guy. Then lower your points per game right now because you don't need to score 30 points anymore. You have other guys now. And And I think LeBron, I don't know how you feel, but I think LeBron is consumed with now. I think he's a winner, but I think he's consumed with numbers. Why wouldn't he do that? Like what you're saying, that's the obvious answer. Why wouldn't he do that if he didn't want to get his 25, 8, and 8? You don't need it anymore. It's not, because he sees that 27, 8, and 8, and he knows, okay, only players such as Oscar Robinson has had this number for his career, right? And that's a mark that he can be like, yeah, but I came in the league and my numbers rival Oscar Robinson. And y'all consider him one of the GOATs, right? So my name's McConville. But – you're like, oh, but he passes like magic. He has the court vision of magic. In the end of your career now, be more 
magic. You're already more magic than Michael. Go full magic. Bring back the showtime. And guess what? If you start passing the ball more, moving the ball around, right, and lowering your points per game, then for the love of God, we can finally get Brandon Ingram more points, and he can look like he's awake. Because <laughs> right now he looks like all he is is high, right? And Alicia looks like he's engaged in high. I'm like, he, Kuzman and Brandon Ingram right now should be – one should be 20 points per game. The other should be about 25 or 26. James should reel it down. Ball should come in and be 18. I know the team's been dealing with injuries. I'm going to give them a pass on that. This is to me was like an active version of Jordan retirement, right? That's all it was to me right now when I looked at this season. Also, when I looked at this season, I was like, eh, he doesn't look like he did in Cleveland. In Cleveland, it was a pressure to win. In L.A., all you're doing now is just trying to deal with Kobe fans more than you are dealing with <laughs> Lakers fans, right? Because the Kobe this has been, uh, Brandon, we got to let you go, but this has been the best call we have ever, <laughs> ever had. Hey, hold on. Hold on. Doing it. So, hold on. Brandon, before you come up here and, and take aim at, at us, I just want you to know he muted you. I did not. But to, to follow up to what you're saying, though. I, I do. I do. No. But to follow up to what he's saying, no, the guy that muted LeBron you, has no. always been. We got a guy running the board. Listen, Alan. We got a guy running the board named Dominic Zinga. And he needs. <laughs> you oh, keep you want, running the board? we got two more callers on the line, so I wanted oh, to keep it moving. But that was a great call. Dinga's racist. All right, let's get Joe AZ on here, bro, because he say I don't know what I'm talking about. He always coming at my neck, bro. Square up. <laughs> What's going on, guys? I'm, I'm getting uh, the Stephen A. Look right now. I'm ready. Right. What's up, dude? I I cannot believe that I have to follow up that call. That was fantastic. I'm listening to yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, that was a really good call. No, and he, he pretty much actually did want to talk about LeBron, so I'm going to have to come up with something else to talk about because he said <laughs> essentially everything that I wanted to everything. say. Um, with, Me with too. Probably the, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, like I, I don't know what there is left to say. Um, the only people who, who can't blame LeBron at this point, um, I, I think, are just they're, – they're just guys who are, who are just way too much, you know, in the LeBron fan club. Um, you got to, you know, if, if this was happening to any other team and any other person that we talked about in the discussion of GOATs, you know, uh, Tom Brady, who has way less to do with the success of his team than LeBron James does, you know, everybody would be saying, oh, dude, this is it. You know, he's done. So right now, I, I think that he, he does need to, to, to dial it back and, and let some of the young guys take that offensive weight uh, off his shoulders for the purpose of his legacy. I mean, right now, you know, making the playoffs, getting more rings and more cities. That's, that's what his legacy is coming down to. In my opinion, it, uh, you know, the, the stats are going to be there. The stats back up that he's one of the greatest ever. Um, the big questions are always, is he getting it done in the finals? Does he have the rings to back it up? I think that's really where people are at at this point. He passes the eye test you know, every, in every which way he, he has um, in the development of his game throughout his career. So, I really think that it's uh, that, that right now it's it's he's got to evolve one more time, um, and I think that means dialing it back offensively and and really focusing and, and coming down defensively and and being the playmaker that we already know that he is. Do you think his ego would allow him to do that? I I honestly don't know. I think that's the real struggle, especially now that you're that you're in Los Angeles and, and the lights are bright 
all the time, all the time. Every game in Los Angeles, if you're playing the Suns, you know, it, like the, the lights are on, it's showtime every time. Um, it, it's like being in New York. I mean, it's just, it's that media market, that, that heavy, heavy presence of, you know, every team wants to be successful, needs to be successful to, to survive in, in LA with that media. So um, especially with, with Magic running the show, with Kobe fans, you know, saying that really feeling like he's left out of the, the GOAT conversation and, and really feeling like it's still like the spirit of Kobe's team um, and LeBron's just kind of stepping in and, and kind, of, uh, kind of feeding off of that at the end of his career. And I think that's the way that a lot of those old school Lakers fans kind of feel. Um, and, and honestly, I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty young team. I, I think that they've got enough talent, you know, maybe you know, people say, oh, well, they don't have a lot of shooters. Well then, all right, well, if that's the case, then all the more reason for LeBron to be the playmaker that he is and, and set guys up um, and let them really take the punishment. I mean, if he's not, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be trying to bang around inside. If that's, you know, if that's been his game, uh, then, then that's not, that's not what he needs to be doing. He doesn't need to be trying to put that pressure on himself offensively. He needs to, to distribute that ball like we all know that he can. Another good call. Thank you, Joe. He, uh, he brought up some really good points. He was articulate. I like an articulate salt team. I always appreciate that. Nah, Thank bro. you for calling, nah, Joe. I, Joe got off easy, bro. Joe won't smoke. We was on. Why didn't he say something? Huh? No, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> now <laughs> he, he brought agree up some with good your points. opinion so far. Nah, I'm just saying to call in and disagree. I mean, I can. I mean, I can disagree because I I do that on a regular basis. Um, but I mean, there's just no other way around it. it. It is mostly on LeBron. I think the only people who don't see that it's on LeBron are his celebrity friends. I think his teammates see it, and it's just so obvious that it's nothing left to really say. And my biggest issue with his lack of effort that that always makes me not want to to put him as my goat. I've always said that LeBron doesn't have the dog in him. He doesn't. That's that's honestly this new generation of athletes. That's just how they are. When things get tough and it doesn't come easy, they're not going to push back as much as we're used to seeing guys when we were growing up. That's what they they knew. Yeah. You know, I, I guess some of it is because... Ryan Ryan's in, let's get Ryan in real quick. Oh, yeah. Get Ryan in here. What's up, Ryan? What are going to talk about... <laughs> You know, you know, I heard this Bron talk. You know, I gotta talk about it too, son. <laughs> Man, so, so, I guess I'm, I guess I'm your Bron stand that has to come and defend. Yeah, me. I thought so. I thought you were working with that. I thought you were Bron stand. Go ahead, bring it, man. I'm ready. But I'm, I'm gonna try to keep it real. Like, okay, so I thought, I thought Allen hit it on the head. Like, like Bron's been take. Bron's not been playing defense for three or four years, man. Like, like this is, this isn't anything new that we're seeing right now. Um, now he's definitely not giving the effort, but I don't think people like people keep talking about Braun's legacy right now. Like he isn't in year sixteen already. Like he's about to go to year seventeen next year. Y'all acting like he's got like five years left. Like he needs to dial back and 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 start playing defense again. Like he's not in about to be in year seventeen. Like this this is kind That's of a good point. Like, like who in year seventeen still plays good think defense? About that. That's Just a take a step point. back and think about that, though. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and and if we're being honest, this Lakers squad, like, it's really not that good. 
like you got Kuzma and you got Ingram. That's about it. Hold they on, have bro. Rondo. Hold well, it's probably just hold a on. good night. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're ahead. not going to do right. that. You're not going to do that. This Lakers <laughs> team, this Lakers team, I saw LeBron James get to the fucking playoffs with Eric Snow. This Lakers team is better than that, dog. They are Bro. better than that. They got enough talent to get to the playoffs. You're not going to sit here okay. and say they're not playing that well. When my man Brandon Ingram right now is playing out of his mind, he's no, never Ingram, played basketball Ingram. this good. All right, Kuzma. Ingram Kuzma Ingram. is what he Ingram is. Ingram. But LeBron James is the talent to get somebody like that in line. He can, he can facilitate, no, again. man. Again, he's such, again, he's again. He's a great basketball player. I just cannot excuse any of this bullshit. It's terrible. No, it's on, it's it's on Bron. Hey, hey. Yeah. It's I'm on sorry, Bron. Man. It's on Bron. I just, it's I just on been Bron. hearing people say, been hearing people say too much that this Lakers team isn't really that good. And I've seen Anthony Davis drag people to the playoffs. I've seen LeBron do it. No. I've seen Russell Westbrook do it. I've seen You're every talking about young athlete. players, though. Don't put up with the Ryan. No. Smack him, Ryan. Smack him, Ryan. Don't no. do that. And you're talking about young players. You're talking about young players in their prime. He ate that old. The man only played one side of the ball right now. Where he tired from? He taking <laughs> rest. Is he making movies? Is he in the studio? This man has played more minutes than any. Man, this man played so many minutes. Look at his career numbers. This man about 45. You acting like you said he's played a long time. For most of his career. He has been the most in-shape athlete of his generation. A model, a blueprint of longevity. I'm not hearing some BS about him being tired. No, or him being old. He is not old yet. He's two years from that excuse. Years from that excuse. Let me let me get your opinion hey. on this, Ryan. Now that Allen's rant is yeah. over, let me get your opinion on this. I think not only is the team poorly constructed because they had no shooters, and I don't know if that was magic, but that is that's horrible, right? That's one of their biggest weaknesses. But what do you think about this fit? Like LeBron always in Cleveland had the team that he wanted. Uh, Brandon said it. They spread out with the shooters, but also they were veterans that understood the game in the same way LeBron did. But these young yeah. guys don't see the game like LeBron does. And as we saw for Kuzma yesterday who pushed LeBron out there, they don't have the reverence that you would expect the actual veterans have for LeBron. So what do you think about that fit between the young and the old? <laughs> I don't – yeah, I don't think they have that same respect. That, like they don't see it like, like like they do, like you said. It's completely different. They're young – and it, it almost kind of runs hand-in-hand hand with how you talk about like veterans and like playoffs and everything. How they, it's just different. Because they have that experience and everything, like like they already, like they know who Brian is. They know what they know about him. They've been in the league with him. They've seen how it goes and everything. And they know he wins. They know what it takes to win. These young Lakers haven't seen any winning at all. Like, bruh. <laughs> like, bruh. These dudes. And I'm gonna tell you like this. Eight. Hey, <laughs> they're not gonna see any winning either with Brian. Like this man, I pegged him at the under. A preseason on their wins. Like, I didn't think this team was going to be good. And they're not. Point blank, period. They're not better than the Cavs were last year, as I told Jordan. They're not. So, can, like, I, can I say something? <laughs> Go ahead. Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma were seven years old when they watched LeBron James drag Eric Snow to the playoffs. <laughs> They are now in their mid-20s, early 20s, in the prime of their lives, not careers, but prime of their lives. LeBron James is added to their team, and I guarantee you, in Kuzma's wildest nightmares, he never thought 
he would have to push LeBron James' big ass into defense. <laughs> they, okay, expected, they expected to win games. They expected back. a leader. They don't have that. They don't have that. LeBron isn't trying, man. He's not that trying. Huh? But it's but I'm just saying, like he's not trying, he's not leading these young men, man. He's, he's not, not. He's he really can not. really he can really facilitate and, and, and will this team through his direction of, of just being a, a high IQ basketball player because he is a high IQ basketball player. He could get this team into an eight seed in the West, man. He's just not trying. And for what? When Zion comes, Zion's just gonna take over and LeBron will get pushed to the number two. You heard it here first. Hot take. <laughs> All right, give us the party man. shot, Ryan. Defend your boy. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not gonna defend. Cause he really not trying. He's not. And I said, I said it from Jump Street. He he here for he here for after after his career. He here in L. A. for after his career. This ain't about basketball. He's not gonna win Space Jam too. I want to see that shit. <laughs> he can't get the Lakers to the playoffs. <laughs> All right, I finally let Ryan go. Thank you for your call. Call in next week, Ryan. I, honestly, wow. I was thinking this today. Bronze legacy. If Space Jam Two is not great, his he, his legacy is washed. <laughs> like you just can't even. You can't consider but, him listen, top five anymore. Listen. He did all this, and if Space Jam Two is trash, then we can't. We we don't know him anymore. I'm sorry. That's so, what this is all about, the, anyway. Space Jam Two. So it better be like really good, and he's got something against him. The Space Jam, okay, the okay. first one sucked, but nobody realizes it sucked <laughs> because it was so long ago. So I'm on. This is my last my last thing on this whole subject matter. First of all, the first one didn't suck. It had Bill Murray, so it can't suck. Everything Bill Murray touches is gold. Second of all, um, I don't understand, and and this will be the only time I'll be critical of the people who it also died the Kelly, by the way. But I digress. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, come on, man. <laughs> but LeBron and his and his, his group of people have, have just guided him through his career, and they've made every smart business decision, of, you know, all the way through. What I don't understand is, I, and I really think this is their one mistake, you have a guy in LeBron who, who's mentally fragile at times. He's always been chasing ghosts. He's been chasing the ghost of Jordan. He's been chasing the ghost of Kobe. He went to one of the most storied franchises in basketball history with Kareem, with Shaq, with Kobe, with Will, with with just Magic. magic. Yeah, I even left him out. Yeah, with Magic. Like, all these storied, like, people and you got this mentally fragile guy and, and, and it just, to me, it was a mistake. He's still chasing ghosts, and and this ghost is huge. More ghosts. This ghost is huge. Yeah. Michael Jordan didn't want to play in L.A. with Magic. He didn't want to play in Boston with Larry. And 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 you can and people can quote him, and they can think that he was really telling the truth. He was like, I want to beat those guys. He did not want that pressure, yo. And I don't care what nobody says. Nobody wants to chase those ghosts, man. These are living legends, living legends. And 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 it's better to build your story and build your own team. And then go in that direction, then to to come into a situation like this that you I mean there was nothing they were gonna do if LeBron James didn't come with max effort and he doesn't have it anymore right now so this is what we get. But yeah, y'all, you y'all know what? don't let Lucas fool y'all, man. Don't let Lucas fool y'all. <laughs> you know what else is the problem is for LeBron? 
he went to L.A. to sort of chill. He hoped he could make a move. Maybe this year was like a setup year, and he also wanted to make the movies and everything. But you don't get to rest in L.A. Yes, La La Land, but they take basketball really serious. 16 championships, I believe. You And they were dick. LeBron came in their mind to win. And that is not what's happening. If he doesn't get Anthony Davis or some big big free agent, it's going to be a miserable time for him. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Yeah, let's get on let's to these other to topics. Other. I don't even like giving basketball all this attention. <laughs> I know, but we got to get to our uh, we got to get to Kyrie real quick. Our other malcontent, Kyrie. Uh, I don't know. The Celtics are imploding. I think they've lost five of the last six. Kyrie blames everybody but himself. The team has played better with Kyrie, even though Jamar Goodall will tell you that they play weak competition. But every stat basically says that the Celtics are better when Kyrie is not on the court or in the building. I I will say that I, I am in disagreement with that per se. I feel like it's one of those things where we're we're um using it's like a, a, a small window like uh, what's, who's my man Holton that likes the uh, the the Falcons? Like I feel like that's one yeah. of his stats. Like he, he he knows how to manipulate to make it look like Matt Ryan's the greatest thing ever. I think people are at play to make it look like Kyrie really is like holding this team back. When in actuality, but small windows the entire playoff though, Allen. But no, look, 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 hold on, hold on, man, because because teams have changed, teams <laughs> have changed, and. And I will say that I don't think they have closers on that team. And, and if there's one thing Kyrie has learned when he was with LeBron is he can close out a game. So that would be my only thing that he adds value to. He's not a leader. Um, he, honestly, he's a clown. He deserves everything he gets right now as far as, like, the negative comments and stuff because he was in the best freaking situation of any – like, like, how many people go to dead franchises and, and, and end up winning championships and don't have to actually carry the load to win that championship? He's a lottery pick, and LeBron James came and saved him. People, I used to argue with people in this group about Kyrie's place in point guards. Him and John Wall, people used to tell me they were both trash, they couldn't win, and now all you hear about is John Wall trash, he couldn't win because LeBron James carried Kyrie. Like, and then Some for him to act like... Some people would say that know, Kyrie carried Brown. We know say. what kind of people those are. Yeah, I know what some people would say. But we see where Kyrie is, and we see where LeBron is, and when they were together, and then we also know what LeBron was before Kyrie. So I'm going to go with LeBron with carrying Kyrie. Because Kyrie ain't doing much better without LeBron. And I know LeBron ain't doing much better without Kyrie. The thing about these guys, both of these guys, they're just toxic. Like, there's a lot in Durant, <laughs> word to Kevin Durant, they both are just toxic. If you come in their circle and things don't go exactly the way they want, they're going to bitch, whine, and be passive-aggressive the whole entire time, and everybody hates them. That's true. I mean, and that's, you know what? When you when you get everything your way and it still doesn't work out, I have zero sympathy for you. I say that to people at my job. I say that to these dudes as athletes. Man, I got no sympathy for you, Kyrie. None. What what better situation will Kyrie ever be in at you know opposed from now on without LeBron? But what other team could he go to with more talent? He wouldn't fit the in. Yeah, but, but <laughs> fit in. So not only is he he has more assists, he's a ball hog with a selfish personality that throws everybody on the bus. He's never led a team. These kids 
have been further in the playoffs than he has without LeBron. Like Jason Tatum has been the best player on the team and got further in the playoffs than Kyrie as the best player on the team. So, you know, there's a conflict, and he's not doing his best to get along with those guys. They're constantly backfighting. And you know what? Jalen Brown actually used the word toxic today. I mean, I believe it. Kyrie's passive-aggressive, too, and, and that's kind of like the lamest thing for a male to have as a, as a personality trait to me, especially on a team. Like, yo, if we on the team, I need you to talk to me, bro. I need you to tell me if you got a problem. I, I can't. I can't walk in in the room and you suck your teeth and walk out, and I'm like, what's wrong with you? Like, I, I can't have you out here throwing your towel in front of my locker being like, oh, my bad, and then turn your back. Like, nah, 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 I need you to talk to me. Yo. I need I need to know. Like, use your words. And and it's kind of lame that, that he's like that, but dude thinks the earth's flat, so this is what you get, man, when you get around these clowns. Like, he's a clown. Back to football, Antonio Brown has been doing the rounds. <laughs> He was on the barbershop, or I guess you can't say barbershop because of Nick Saban. He was on the shop with LeBron James. He also gave an interview to, I can't remember. He gave an interview, though, maybe to ESPN or Fox or something like that. And the interview basically saying Big Ben is a bitch. The owners or the general manager is disrespectful, which he was when he called him a kid or called him kids, and that he doesn't need football and he can walk. What did you think of? Uh, what have you thought in general of the Antonio Brown show since the season ended? It's a clown <laughs> show. That's what it is, a clown show. You got another one. He's a clown, man. I, and I never had a problem with A.B. I never did. I always supported him. I, obviously, Team Tomlin, I stuck up for A.B. I stuck I stuck up for Ben. And he, God, man, I stuck up for Bill. I put my neck out for these dudes, bro. And this is how he repays me, man, by just being the biggest clown of all time, bro. I've never in my life, yo, and he's been blessed. Considering where he's been drafted and everything they they've given him financially, like the Steelers don't usually pay their receivers. They usually, when you get good, they usually let you go. And and they've they've really catered to this man. And for him to act like this is like, yo, you really messing it up for other people, man. Like you you could have been the trendsetter. You could have been the the one to to you know show the franchise what you get when you treat players the the right way. And instead, you just reinforce what they already think. You can't pay these dudes, these prima donnas. You can't pay them because this is how they act. They're ungrateful. And um, all the stuff he was saying about, about um, you know, not needing football and this and that, that's great and all. But you can tell about his lifestyle, yo. He's really lying. Like, A.B., the first thing he did when he got that new contract, he went out and bought a customized Rolls Royce, you know. He 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 loves to be flashy. He at every event. He he all over the place. Um, as far as his personality and stuff, he's very eccentric right now. And you got to pay for that lifestyle. So he can say what he want, but nah, man. And and this ain't really the way to go to build your brand if you want to do something outside of football. And I think he's really missing the opportunity right now. Like, he, he got their attention with the trade request. Just just handle this professionally. Go on to the next chapter in your career and, and really set, set yourself up for financial success post-NFL. Like, this is not setting himself up for financial success post-NFL as far as his brand goes. And the thing about and him is I think he has a screw first of all, to act like that. But these guys act like they've been enslaved by somebody when they don't get their way. I'm all for a guy getting their money. I'm all for uh, 
Le'Veon Bell. I'm all for getting paid. I don't think the franchise tag is fair. But you've got to do your job. Like, at the end of the day, it's a job, and you're on a team, too. So the things you do don't just affect the white man, the ownership. It affects your teammates and the way that you are going to succeed as a team. Everybody can't be going every which way and not come together as a team and expect to win. Yeah, and I was gonna, and I was gonna say, if, if AB needs an example of where this is gonna end up for him, he can look at To, because To was was pretty yeah. much the same way persona wise. He people catered to him, and they finally got fed up with him. Not only did he get blacklisted from from the uh, league, basically, like they didn't even want to put my man in the hall, and then he ended up broke, you know. And he lived a he lived a lavish lifestyle too when he was the best receiver in the league. But that money runs away quick, man. NFL money is not wrong money, and I think a lot of these dudes need to understand that. And he is a guy that demands attention. Look how much attention he is demanding just to do this. He really can live without football when you can't go a week without getting on social media. There hasn't been a week this off season, probably the last two weeks of the season, where he hasn't complained or done something. He is an attention whore, and for him to sit there and say that he doesn't need this attention, I don't even think that's realistic. Yeah, he definitely can't live without his platform. We got the franchise tag. We kind of gl- we kind of glanced over or glossed over the uh, <laughs> combine. Do you want to go back to that, or you just want to go to the franchise tag? No, we can go back to the uh, we can go to the franchise tag. All right. So we got the notable names that were tagged: Frank Clark, seventeen million dollar tender. Uh, Jadavian Clowney got seventeen. D four got fifteen. Robbie Gold or Gould or whatever got five from your star <laughs> nine. Seven, Grady Jarrett, who they say is in the plans for the, uh, Atlanta, they're not letting him go. They say, but they got to figure something out. And the Cowboys. Uh, second time in a row, franchise Demarcus Lawrence. Anybody stand out on this list for you? I mean, obviously for trolling purposes, Demarcus Lawrence stands out. I do appreciate, it. and I hope all you Dallas fans are listening. Run and tell that go go tag Holiday. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm, I'm ready for it any day. But listen to me, bro. Demarcus Lawrence is not going to sign not one thing before camp. He will not be there. You have my word. On my Stephen A., he will not be there unless you guys pony up. And I'm talking about something probably within the range of 21 to 22. If you're lucky, because his tag's at 20, he's just not going to do it. And if people think that – and I know this draft is deep with pass rushers, but if you think that you're going to let somebody like Lawrence go, something that you already know what you have, for something that you don't know what you you have, that's just not going to cut it. And the Cowboys have a real dilemma in my mind uh, with with their financial situation because they have some some high paying positions. And so I thought it was interesting that they would forego trying to work out something earlier and franchise them a second time. I just don't think that's beneficial. Do you know who teams. shouldn't be a high paid position? Do you know what players shouldn't be a high paid position? It's that. <laughs> I don't know why they talk about paying that yeah. bomb this much money and cripple our franchise. Demarcus Lawrence is more important than Dak, getting, I hate to say. Where is Dak getting the audacity <laughs> to to really demand 
anything. I don't understand. And and I haven't I haven't seen him say it per se, like outright say it, but there's so many reports coming out about it that I kinda have to believe that there's some truth behind it. If he really thinks he's and gonna Jared get Patrick type money, man, that's crazy, man. That's crazy. Steven ain't going for that. Steven probably on his trying to figure out a way to get Jerry out the paint before that happened. I give Steven credit. He's smarter than Jerry, but for, Honestly, for I think my, the deal my, is this now I think the deal is now is if you're just the next quarterback up and we know who you are and you've been to the playoffs, mm-hmm. they just expect to get paid. Yeah, I, I guess that's true, actually. And you've got to blame the Redskins for it. And, again, double tag situation. Redskins, and I, and I stick to this. I stick to this. The Redskins could have got Kirk Cousins. And I know now we see he's not all that great, which we kind of seen that anyway. But either way, they could have got Kirk Cousins at about eighteen and a half to nineteen million dollars. They tagged him, then they tagged him again, and his his price went up so high, and he got this crazy guarantee. But it's because that was the market value going for a guy with his stats and and what they consider his potential. But it raises the ceiling on the market value. Now people who are more accomplished, and in this case, it bites the the Cowboys in the butt. But it's been a couple other teams in the butt too. They expect that kind of pay. You have to. Pay. It's, it's a competitive market. You you've got to pay it. You've got to pay it if you want to compete because that's what the expectations are for this position. And and the thing that hurt the Cowboys on that first tag, I don't think they could have ever envisioned that Mac and Donald would get the contracts that they got. And I think yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah, it's not. It's not. And you tagged him again, which now he's refusing to sign. And it's like, dude, I mean, God forbid you wait. Every person who's done the double tag and waited, it has not worked out for them. I, I don't think the Cowboys did that with Dez. I think they – did they tag him once or did they just – they just restructure or, or extend. I can't. I can't okay. Remember. All right. Well, either way, in my in my like short lifetime of, of actually paying attention to NFL economics, it has not been beneficial for teams to double tag, and and these players get stupid money off the double tag. And and I think what that's think why a lot of, of them have been told. Okay. Clowney was a necessary move. I mean, he he really helps out that defense, even if he's not statistically. Uh, that great. I think Clowney does the the little things, the things that that PFF would grade, but standard stats and and the um the at home watchers don't notice. Like his control of the line of scrimmage is super key to me. And and I know when they played the Patriots, uh, excuse me, the last couple times they played the Patriots, his ability to dominate that line of scrimmage and put pressure on Brady and just disrupt is just something that you can't calculate. So. Um, I think they were right to franchise him if he if he has another healthy year and so you you know you pay him but um you don't let something like that just walk away. We're gonna go down the uh, free agents or the guys that were, they're now free agents they weren't tagged. Let's just kind of do a lightning round. Think of maybe the fits and if they're still a valuable player either or Le'Veon Bell. Of course, still valuable. Still valuable. I think the Colts would be a great fit, but they say they don't want him. I think if he goes to the Jets, then there goes his career. Nick Foles is rumored to go to the Jags. I mean, no, I don't think Nick's valuable. I could be wrong, but (laughs) history is on my side right now because he hasn't done anything outside that uh, Andy Reid-ish system, so – but the but the Jags are in the corner, man. I mean, they got to play somebody. I mean, you can – Pay, pay Nick and draft. That's what I would do, pay Nick and draft. I think 
I think it's just Philly magic. I like Nick Foles. I've liked him since the year where Chip Kelly had 27 touchdowns, two interceptions. I just thought it was something special about him. And he's shown that he's a special player. But I think he's a special player in special years and special situations. I don't see him as a guy you can really build a franchise around. But it's a good stopgap, hopefully. And Jacksonville's kind of in win-now mode, so maybe you'll get lucky. But I would draft a quarterback if I was Jacksonville. Earl Thomas yeah. coming off an injury. Coming off of man, he, I don't know, man. I want to – I said I wouldn't mind Earl on my team, but I think the hoopla surrounding Earl Thomas is, is kind of ridiculous for for aging safety. And age, age hits you hard when you're in the secondary. Yeah, I think so too. And the thing about Earl Thomas was his ability or is his ability to cover so much ground in an Ed Reed kind of way, like the top the – the top of the defense, you were not – he would make up so much ground and bail out Richard Sherman and bail out those other corners. And coming off a broken leg, I think that's what he's got. Can he do that? I know where he's not going. He's not going to Dallas. I wanted him, but I'm good now. Hey, yeah, I, this again, guy, I, don't understand, I don't understand the hoopla, but, yeah. C.J. Mosley. C.J. I think still has value. Um, and I would take anybody from the Baltimore Ravens defense last year. <laughs> they were so good <laughs> as a unit, man. They, I mean, they were so good as a unit. I, if, if you can't play, you got to show me. I would, I would be willing to take that chance with you. So, C.J. Mosley, uh, I saw uh, my man Salim Odin uh, said that uh, he was on the phone with them to get him in Cleveland. I agree. That would be great, especially if they're not going to um, re-up Collins. I would definitely – Mosley. Yeah, that'd be a really good fit. Uh, Trey Flowers. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's just it's hard for um for um secondary people, man. Like they age so quickly, and and they and schemes like. The, the the Seahawks. I mean, we haven't seen people leave and be successful in in other defenses. I I think this is very they they pick very systematic players in their secondary, and it's just hard to to really yeah, it's take hard a to chance. Know like what, yeah. what a player looks like outside of New England. It, it you yeah. don't know how much of it's the system and how much of it's the player. Uh, much to the chagrin of Giants fans, Landon Collins, and basically they're saying he's a one trick pony, so they don't want to pay him what. He thinks he's worth. It. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, with him being a one-trick pony. But um, he covered he covered a lot of ground for them. He he made up for a lot of um, poor play in that secondary, and and he also covered the run a lot. I, I thought he was around the ball a whole lot. I would dare say he was their ball hawk for a while. So I don't know. I think maybe he talked himself out of that situation. It just wasn't ideal for him or the franchise anymore. I would take a chance on him. He's still relatively young, not a not a crazy injury history either. I would take a chance on Collins or I took a chance on Earl Thomas. Yeah, I think he's very dynamic. I don't understand what's going on. Like, of course, he's not yeah. a deep safety, but somebody's got to be a strong safety, and he erases mistakes. Not erases mistakes 20, 30 yards down the field, but from 15 yards and in, if you're trying to run after the catch – or you're trying to run, he's going to fit the hole. I like Landon Collins a lot. And 
if you ever get a chance to listen to him talk and dissect film and stuff, he's very intelligent. The the artist formerly known as Honey Badger, I believe he was in Houston this year. It's always so you always see him with that yeah. blonde hair in Arizona. But I think he was in Houston. My opinion is he didn't really make much of an impact, and I think the injuries finally got to him. At one point he was elite, but I think he's washed. Yeah, I think the injury slowed him down a lot too. Um, somebody looking to just just add a name and and um, take a chance to just fill in the hole. Like uh, maybe somebody like the Patriots, who who are known to work with guys who who people tend to count out, but have had potential in the past. Um, because I know Patrick Chung keeps getting hurt. Um, we don't know how long he's going to be around for based on his injury history and stuff. He might start to slow down himself. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing Honey Badger out there. Somebody can scheme him, give him a shot. But I wouldn't I would not sign him like a, depending um, on him. <laughs> it definitely looks like a New England kind of signing. They just take a flyer and, mm-hmm. you know, see what's there. And a lot of times nothing's there, but what do they lose? They lowball the contract so they don't get anything. This guy, yeah. I'm very excited to tell you, Trent Brown, who you drafted, who you did nothing with in 2013, and he almost looked like an all-pro with the Patriots. <laughs> you want him back in San Francisco? You want him back? Uh, nah, man, Trent can't work for us, yo. Actually, we got a coach that's competent now, so maybe. But hey, I give Trent Brown all his all his props, yo. Um, he's a good he's a good story. If people don't know, uh, he was a seventh round pick, and he just I mean he just anchored. That um, that Patriots side. I'm surprised they let him go. Um, surprised yeah, they I'm surprised to, to. Maybe they'll come back at him or something. I don't know. Yeah, and and you talking about big? No homo. He's six eight three eighty, bro, and he playing left it's tackle. Ridiculous. Shoot, and, and his footwork isn't really that bad. He's actually athletic. So he he played right right tackle for us, which. I mean, yeah. hindsight, once, once I watched him actually play left tackle, some of his schemes, some of his Brady getting rid of the ball, but I saw that man hold his own a lot this year. So I was like, damn, 49 is that one. And the Patriots coach everybody up, but I feel mm-hmm. like their line, they can put any – maybe receivers rivalry, but they can put anybody on that line and make them productive. Just they coach everybody up, but they coach the line up ridiculously because I feel like they don't even care who's on it. Yeah, it's it's very, it's a very uh, beautiful thing if you're in the trench work. Um, just a cohesive unit, no matter who they plug and play. I remember that used to be uh, who was the center that people kept saying that you know they couldn't play without or, or guard or somebody. They used to have yeah, like, Mankin or something Winker. like that. Nice. Yeah, so they they've had some names come through that people were like, oh, they're gonna miss them, and, and you do not notice it. You really don't. Um, once they get guys in there and get them, get them the necessary reps, it's a beautiful thing. Last guy is Sheldon Richardson. I'll give my opinion first. Sheldon Richardson hasn't wanted to play football in like three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> Sheldon, a wild boy, man. I'm still trying to figure out uh, how he beat that case. Didn't he? Wasn't he the one with the kid in the car? Yeah, he did like a drive-by with the kid in the car. Yeah, or or, or, or like a high-speed chase with a kid in the car. I'm telling you right now, my line of work, bro, you would would be done. You would be done. I don't know how he's even even still an option, but nah, I wouldn't. 
Sheldon, I wouldn't really pay him, man. Every time you pay a D tackle, bro, you know, like in this in these scenarios, a lot of times they don't play out. So, I I mean, I would I would try to get him on a very team friendly deal and let him know that I'm doing him a favor. Yeah, and uh, Seattle just kind of took a flyer, see if he could help make him a little deeper, but it didn't really work out. Let me see if I can find yeah. his high-speed chase. It said he was going 143 miles per hour. He resisted arrest, and there was a kid in the car. That's yes, bro, that's right what I'm here. saying. That's the wild, that, that might be one of the most not talked about but wildest stories in the NFL uh, during his particular career. Like, man, how he how that happened? We we saw uh, what's my man Adrian Peterson whipped his son and and it was it was considered abuse but like he won't like the kid was never in like his life was never in danger you know life threatening and yeah. people yeah people dragged this man my man Sheldon Richardson was wild and our last fun topic is South Dakota State who uh, is it South Dakota State North or North Dakota State North Dakota State, State. North Dakota State. Yeah, your favorite quarterback, I'm jumping off the ship. You can stay on Carson Wentz yeah. Island. I got a lifeboat, and I am paddling out of Carson Wentz okay. Island. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the alma mater of Carson, Carson Wentz, Eagles quarterback, and they win the Division II championships a lot, championship a lot, and they went to the White House, and Donald Trump carried on his tradition of serving them fast food just as he did the uh, – who was it? Clemson football team. Nah, 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 nah. So what we're not going to do, what we're not going to do is act like Chick-fil-A is the same as the Burger King or, or McDonald's or whatever else he served Clemson. He did, he did, he served Clemson and, and them fast food. He served North Dakota State a delicacy. All right, Chick-fil-A, bro. All you can eat Chick-fil-A. Man, hey, you know what? I'm not even mad at that. Like, if you had told me that he served Clemson Chick-fil-A, I don't care if it came on the platter or if it was in a box and all that stuff. I would have been in support of that. But, like, to see a Big Mac on a, on a fancy plate, that's disrespectful to me. I feel like you're making fun of me. But if you put that chicken sandwich on there, yo, matter of fact, hold the pickles and add some barbecue sauce, I'm with it. I'm going to be honest with you, and Chick-fil-A is, is the Lord's food, but I'm going to be honest with you. This is the most racially woke. No, no, no. I love, I worship Chick Fil A. I'm trying to get off it. It's like crack. Like I, I, I would drink a whole, uh, whole uh, carton of the uh, barbecue sauce. Like no, it, it's, it's it beautiful. But what I'm gonna say is this is the most woke and racially sensitive Trump has ever been because the Clemson football team is mostly black. North Dakota State's mostly white. If he had served Clemson football team chicken. That would have been a scandal. I'm sorry. You know it would have been. Hey, somebody said it in the thread, and I agree. Where does man get Chick-fil-A from in D.C., bro? He might really be as rich as he say he is. <laughs> Probably have flown in by helicopter. Yo, that's wild. Yeah, that's, that's what my tax dollars going to. But, yeah, I, I, love I agree, man. Big deal. Like, when he serves in fast food, it's like he's giving candy to kids. I guess he kind of is. But he's yeah. so excited. I've never seen him smile so much as when he gives those kids fast food. Yeah, and, and and that's the thing that makes me not want to be mad at him. Um, 
<laughs> is that he really thinks he really thinks he's doing like the Lord's work. So it's like bless your heart, yo. Bless your heart. You really think Big Max is a delicacy? God, dear. you these are the rich people of our society. This man is a billionaire. He thinks Big Max is freaking delicate. Like he runs the country. I'm supposed to be intimidated by this? I can't. I can't. And Robert Kraft thinks process. that an Asian rub and tug is good. I know, right? <laughs> right. What's going on with these are man? these are the people I'm supposed to aspire to be like because they're rich. They are disgusting, man, on so many I levels. That's the problem. Good God. And yo. the funny thing is, I know we're done with Kraft because we talked about that last week. But the Patriots owner Robert Kraft, if we're following me, guys, <laughs> he had a Bentley waiting for him after he got his services at the Asian. Uh, massage parlor. You you got into a Bentley after you left the strip mall and something didn't click. I didn't belong there. I don't bro. belong there. <laughs> hey, I got to give a shout oh, out to Crab though, bro. Because th- how many people rolling through strip malls with a Bentley and not coming out with their tires gone or something like that? So shout out to That's my true. man, Robert. He the realist that would do it. Word to Tyler King. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any parting shots? Any parting thoughts? Yeah, man, don't give LeBron an out. Ryan Lucas is a, a a media engine. Don't listen to his propaganda. Joe HG, I'm still at your neck. First chance I get. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for callers. Everything is good. We try to do this every single Tuesday night. So stay tuned. Let us grow and call in. <laughs>